In the name of Jesus, amen. God makes promises and he tells us of things that he sees and he knows of that we ourselves don't see or know of. And he tells us things that will happen before they ha- happen. And he tells us the specific, uh, what specific actions have a specific outcome. And so today we're going to learn about these things, about these promises that God makes. So we all know, or at least I hope so, that we all know that the gospel is a promise. It's the promise of salvation to all who believe. God promises to rescue us from this veil of tears when we put our hope in him. But you have to understand that the gospel isn't the only promise of eternal life. It's not the only promise of eternal life that God makes to us. So I'm going to sound like a heretic for a second here, but bear with me. The law promises eternal life. Keep this in mind and learn it well. The law of God, yes, the very Ten Commandments, promise you eternal life. Listen to what God himself says of the law and of life. In Leviticus 18, it says, You shall keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. And again, Ezekiel 18 says, He who walks in my statutes and keeps my rules by acting faithfully, he is righteous. He will surely live, declares the Lord. And just in case you think this is some old, outdated, Old Testament sort of thing, listen to the very words of Christ himself when he speaks to the rich man who seeks eternal life. The rich man says, look, how can I inherit eternal life? Jesus turns to him and he says, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. When Jesus spoke to one of the Jews, Jesus asked him to summarize the law. And the Jews said, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your, uh, your strength, and with all your mind. And you love your neighbor as yourself. And listen to how Jesus responds. He says, good. Yes, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. And just in case you think that Jesus is just in on that and no one else is, listen to what St. Paul says. He says, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. So with all of these, you will clearly see that the promise of the law is life and life eternal. And it sounds very odd to our ears because we hear so much that salvation and eternal life is a gift from God, not something that is earned. So as Ephesians 2 clearly says, we're saved by grace through faith alone. This is a gift of God, not by your own works so that no one can boast. So what in the world is going on here? We have all of these texts that are promising us life and eternal life through the law and by what we do and that will be righteous. And then we have this text that says you're saved by grace through faith alone. We have all these texts of the law, which is what we should and shouldn't do, that promise eternal life. And then we have this text from Ephesians that says you have eternal life without doing anything. And so does this mean that there are two ways to be saved? And which one of these is true? Are we saved by what we do, by keeping the law, by being righteous? Or are we saved by Christ and what he does? Well, I'll tell you this. They're both true. Eternal life is promised by both the law and the gospel. But there is one major difference. 
And the difference between these two is the word if. The law promises salvation, eternal life, and heavenly bliss if you keep the law in thought, word, and deed. The law promises that God will be your dear Father in heaven, that he will save you from every trouble of body and soul if and only if you keep his word completely. So if you love your neighbor with all your heart, if you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, then you will earn eternal life. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, then you're worthy to be called one of God's holy ones. But you must do everything he said. That means you can't have one shred of doubt in your heart, one speck of dust in your eye, one cell of sin coursing through your veins. Your mind and heart have to be spotless and clean without any blemish. Your mouth has to be pure, always speaking the truth, always defending your neighbor, and it shouldn't have the taste or the stench of gossip or a hint of lies on it. Your hands have to be free from sin and guiltless. Your feet have to be rushing to help the needy. Your bank account and your wallet have to show not even a shred of selfishness or greed in it. Your eyes and your ears must only delight in good and holy things. You must have God's praise in your heart and on your lips day in and day out. You must never, ever get bored of church or singing hymns or God's word. You do this and you will live forever. But if you failed, then for, even for a split second, for a moment, then you only have eternal damnation as your reward. Be perfect as God is perfect. That is the promise of the law. If you do this, you will live. If you don't, you won't. The law promises you eternal life if you fulfill it. The law is conditional. It rewards those who are perfect. It punishes those who aren't. And usually it's at this time, right? It's, it's at this time of, of the sermon or through the thought process to say, uh, that people get defensive and say, look, well, why in the world would God tell me to be perfect if he knows I can't be perfect? He's setting me up for failure. Why would he tell me to do something that he knows I cannot do and then punish me forever when I can't do it? What kind of God is this? The truth is God has the right to demand perfection from us. So remember that when God gave his law to Adam and Eve in paradise, they were capable of keeping that law. God wasn't being unfair to Adam and Eve in the garden. He wasn't telling them to do something that they couldn't possibly do. They had the ability to keep the law and be perfect. Now, just because they fell into sin and just because we are born in sin, God's standard of life and perfection hasn't fallen, even though we have. So just because we have changed, it doesn't mean that God's demands have to change to suit our needs or to follow us. It doesn't mean that he has to give us an imperfect law. His demands remain the same through all time. His law is good and holy, even if we're not. His demand for perfection doesn't change, even if we become incapable of keeping it. And it's not God's fault. Even more, God gives you his law. But the law doesn't give you the power to fulfill its commands. It tells you to do something, but it doesn't enable you to do it. Those are very different things. And if you're honest with yourself, and if you meant the words that you confessed right at the beginning of this service, then you'll know the truth when you say, if we, have, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You're lying, and the truth is not in you. 
So if you stand under the if of the law, that little if will condemn you. But God isn't naive and he's not heartless. He knows your condition. He knows that you were conceived in sin and brought forth in iniquity. He knows that you're holy, entirely, and utterly incapable of being perfect as he is. He knows that even though he promised eternal life through the law, he knows that you can't achieve it. So, your dear God took it upon himself with the most profound love imaginable and chose to leave his throne in heaven to come to you, to find you. And for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven and was born of a virgin for you. Knowing that you couldn't save yourself, he chose to save you, not because you were good enough. In fact, he chose to save you precisely because you were not good enough. He chose to save you because he wanted to. This is why he left his throne in heaven for you. Because of his great and glorious and eternal love for you. His only son fulfilled the perfect law that God demanded of us. And Jesus imputes all this righteousness and perfection to you. He attributes it to you through faith as if you were the one who did it. He credits it to you, to your hands, to your heart. Knowing that you couldn't save yourself, he took it upon himself to save you from your sins. He chose to come to you, to be wounded for your transgressions, to suffer the Father's wrath against all iniquity. He chose to do this for your sake, for your benefit, for your eternal life. He came to this earth to take on flesh and blood, only to have it be emptied from his body, emptied of all of the life he had on that cross. As he loved you, and as he loved his enemies more than himself. He promised you a new way of salvation, of salvation not found in your hands, but found in the pierced hands and feet of Christ. He promised you a salvation not of works, but of grace alone. He promised you eternal life, not if you do this or that, but because Jesus has done that on the cross, because he gave his dying breath on the cross for you. Dear saints, the law says, do this and don't do that, and it's never done. But the gospel says, done. The law always needs more, always needs something else, and it never ends. But the gospel shouts from the cross, it is finished. So if you're shaken at all, and if you're weighed down by guilt in any way, if you despair of anything, despair of yourself and take comfort the righteousness of your dear Lord. If your sins oppress you, then you look in the manger and see that holy child who would suffer for you. And you become and you take on good cheer because of it. Because your dear Lord loves you more than this world and everything in it. He loves you more than heaven and all the angels therein. He loves you more than life itself. And yes, he loves you even more than himself. So don't hold on to your sin or defend it or excuse it. Let your sin go and confess it to God who is faithful and just, who will forgive you of all sins. Leave your sins here in that font. Leave it here in those pews. Leave it here at the bottom of that chalice. Leave your sins here and take home Christ, your dear Lord, who has loved you into eternal life. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.